I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees. Yeah, Snuff Dads never say. It's not quite as good as a whole video full of explosions like we did last year, but, you know, it goes with the theme of Mother's Day this year. So, fellas, happy Father's Day. I, you kind of knew we were going to do this. Would you stand up so that we can celebrate you? Would you please just do that, Dads? Come on, somebody's got to go first. Let's go, guys. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. Amen. We couldn't thank you enough. Now, most of the ladies in the room are thinking, yeah, whatever, he gets spoiled every day of his life. But set that aside for the moment. And in all seriousness, we appreciate you. Thank you. I hope that you're blessed today. I hope that you feel the sense of satisfaction that God intends for you to feel. Uh, um, our son's coming over to make dinner. He's a foodie. My son, when he was four years old, started watching cookie shows. Now explain that. I don't know, but he's all about it. And I am not complaining at this point. Come over and make jambalaya and I'll be a happy camper. I hope you guys are going to have a terrific time for Father's Day. And, um, you know, God bless you and thank you for your example and for everything that you do. Good morning. Welcome to Second Service. I'm, uh, I'm kind of a little bit out of sorts, church, because uh, a week from tomorrow, I'll be leaving on this sabbatical that you've heard me talk about, and I'm, I'm just kind of freaking out in every possible way. So uh, bear with me this morning. Uh, the good news is, I don't know if anybody noticed, but uh, next Sunday, did you see the forecast? 80 degrees and sunshine. Somebody say amen. 
That's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. So uh, it's right around the corner. We're going to get there. It seemed like we weren't going to. but Oh, and by the way, fellas, um, today we have something that is designed just to bless you at the deepest level of who you are. We have a gift for you when you leave today. It is professionally processed meat products from Blue Max over in Buckley. So when you head out today, we have a gift for you in the foyer. It will do nothing for your love life, but it will bless you on a deep level. So processed meat products uh, out, in the, out in the foyer. From Blue Max, this is the real stuff. This, by the way, have you ever been over there and gotten the corned beef jerky from Blue Max? If you haven't done, my mouth is filling with saliva right now. I am powerless against that stuff. My son brought a bag of that over, and I ate the entire bag in like an hour. It is so good. So anyway, that's just extra and aside, nothing significant this morning. A um, couple, of, couple of brief announcements, friends. Um, one is that um, we're coming up on our season for our church picnics. And if you're unfamiliar with pandemic and everything, every summer we have a couple of huge picnics here on the campus. And we pull out all the stuff, uh, stops. We'll bring in, in kids' toys of every kind. We do kind of a, a regular one in July. And then we do our water party in August, which is a blast. But both of those are coming up, uh, those picnics. And so we're in the state of collecting volunteers, folks who would be willing to help with setup and with cooking and with everything that goes into those picnics here on our campus. So if you would be willing to volunteer to serve, maybe you know how to flip burgers, maybe you know how to make hot dogs, maybe you know how to just help set up a teardown, maybe you'd be willing to man one of the kids' toys that we'll have for an hour or so that day. If you could contact the church office, stop by the guest center, scan the code on the chair in front of you, just let us know. Uh, we're in the mode of, uh, of collecting volunteers volunteers for that. It's coming up in just about four weeks will be our first one. So we're excited about that. Summer picnics around the corner. Also coming up a week from Friday will be our first summer family movie night here on the campus. It's an outdoor thing we do. You bring your lawn chairs, blankets, and family. We'll provide the snacks and we got a big screen we set up out there and we just have a terrific time on a Friday night. It's great fellowship family movie night. So that's coming up on the 8th of July. Be aware of that. Everybody's invited. There's no you know, all the usual stuff. And then also in July and August, I don't know if you know our sister Marcy Van Winkle, but she is a renowned cookie uh, maker. And, you know, that, that doesn't sound like a thing you can be, but I'm telling you, she is. She runs a whole business of this. And I've seen her work. I've tasted her work. It is fantastic. And she will be offering classes in July and August where you can learn to do what she does. And uh, all the proceeds from that will go to our church building project with the kids' wing. So um, that's available. Uh, you can find out more about that on the website. It's coming up around the corner. Um, thanks again to so many people who have expressed their blessing and um, affirmation as I get ready to go on this trip. I'll be here next Sunday, but then Monday I had to head out of town. And, and huge thanks for the, the special personal notes and comments and prayers that so many of you have offered. Um, you know, it's making the thought of being away from my wife for two months more bearable. And uh, so thank you very much. I feel deeply blessed. Also a huge thanks to us as a church. Because we are so relentlessly generous in giving as a church, we are so faithful and disciplined in that way. 
you know, as, as maybe some things are turning in our economy, um, the needs are appearing again more regularly. And this week, we as a church were able to step up and help several families in our fellowship and in our area struggling with the realities that are out there. And we're able to do that. Pastor Dave leads that whole ministry. We're able to do that because of your faithfulness and giving. So on behalf of those families, I uh, just want to thank you uh, for your giving. Grab your Bible, if you would, this morning and open it to Romans chapter 16. And gang, check it out. We are going to come to the end of this journey through Romans. Somebody say amen. We have been here since the first week of January. And I want to compliment us as a fellowship because what we've done over this time is we've grown an attention span. And that's a beautiful thing. Remember what we've said all along is that it is our Father's agenda in our lives to grow us to the place where we listen to what he wants to teach us instead of only asking what we want to know. When we're new believers, it's very normal for us to say, oh God, here's my situation. I need some answers about my situation. But as we get to know him as father, as we grow up in him, we begin to listen to what he wants us to know more than what we think we need to know. And, and that happens when we begin to take God's word on its own term. And we've walked through all 16 chapters of Romans together. That's a beautiful thing. That pleases a father's heart. That's the road to maturity. And this morning we find ourselves in chapter 16, beginning with verse 17. And, and have you ever completely misjudged something in your life? Just completely estimated something and got it wrong? Maybe a wife is nudging her husband about the price you paid for your house, something like that. You know, have you ever completely misjudged something in your life? When uh, Rhonda and I were courting, uh, she came up to Iceland where I was stationed at the time in the military. And, and I had this big weekend planned when we were going to go do some hiking and camping. It was summertime in Iceland, which means the temperature gets all the way to about 60 degrees. So if you want to whine about our spring and summer, just think about Iceland. But uh, we were going to go do some hiking and camping. And so we headed out of town and we got up to this trailhead. We headed out on this trail and we came to a river that we had to cross. We were the only people around. And uh, this river was, I don't know, maybe eight, ten feet across. And uh, there wasn't a bridge. There wasn't a way across, which was kind of puzzling because it was on the hiking trail. But I thought to myself, no big deal. We're young. And, and so I, I kind of took a look at the river. It looked like it was about a foot deep, maybe a foot and a half deep. And there were a couple of rocks. And I was like, okay, we can hop to that rock, hop to that rock, and then jump over to the far side and maybe just stick one foot in the water, get one foot wet. Won't be a big deal. It's no more than a foot deep. You know, we're grown ups. And so my wife was like, I don't know. It looks like it might be deeper than that. I said, nah, it's, look, it's about a foot deep. You know where this is going. So I hopped across the rocks and I went to do that last step and put my foot down. And here's the thing I learned. See, in Iceland, the water is so crystal clear. No sediment, nothing in it, no algae, no dirt, nothing like that. It's so crystal clear that it creates an optical illusion. So the reality was the river was about three and a half feet deep. And I went to take that last step and sank in all the way to my waist, you know, above it and popped out the other side. And she just thought that was the funniest thing she'd ever seen. And she wasn't about to do the same thing. And yeah, I spent the rest of that day pretty cold and wet, if you're wondering. But we've all been in a moment when we've misjudged something, when we thought we knew what we were dealing with and then found out we weren't. Something like that happened to a man in Florida this week. Maybe you heard this story on the news. He saw something moving in the shrubs at the back of his yard, back edge of his yard, pretty big yard. And he watched it for a moment and thought that it was the leash of a dog caught in the shrubs. 
And he thought to himself, oh man, somebody's dog got lost and has this leash on and got stuck in the shrubs. I'll go out and help it. And so, you know, he was kind of doing the surfing thing, but he headed out to take care of the situation. And when he got out by the shrubs, he saw this leash jerking through. And so he chased it for a couple of steps and then he finally got it. He caught up to it, grabbed a hold of it. And that was when he found out that what he thought was the leash of a lost dog was actually the tail of a lost alligator, <laughs> a large one who did not appreciate having his tail grabbed or her tail grabbed. The alligator turned around immediately and locked onto his arm. Fortunately, there was a police officer nearby, intervened in the situation, got him to the doctor's office, got him to the hospital, and uh, the injuries weren't serious, although they were significant. And when he was at the police station, a nurse asked him, wow, how could you think uh, an alligator's tail was a dog's leash? And he said, well, I was kind of distracted by my phone. Can anybody relate to that? <laughs> yeah. You see, when we get distracted, we can completely lose touch with what we're looking at. L let me say that again. When, when a lot of stuff in our lives is going on, blowing around, we can become so distracted that we don't recognize what we're dealing with or looking at, even when it's dangerous, especially when it's something dangerous. And this morning, as we finish Romans, that is what is on the Apostle Paul's heart. That's what's on the heart of a Father God for us this morning. He wants to talk to us about our tendency to get distracted in such a way that we miss things that are dangerous in our lives. So the Apostle Paul, as he finishes his letter to Rome, starts to talk to them in closing about the reality of, of false prophets, those who deceive in a spiritual or religious way. And we're going to hear Jesus describe such people not as, as harmless or irritating or annoying clowns, but as ferocious wolves who are incredibly dangerous. This morning is a father's heart message to us. God wants to speak to us as a parent of a young person, of a teenager, about the dangers that we don't recognize. And that's what Paul is thinking about in verse 17 of chapter 16 of Romans. Let's listen to him as we wind up our series this morning. Paul says this, he's, he's explained the gospel to the Romans from A to Z. He's talked about the practical application of it. And now he, he, he greets a lot of folks, friends the, who he knew who were there. And, and then he offers some closing words. And he says this, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Everything I've just laid out. And by the way, that phrase, watch out, you, we don't feel the strength of it in English. In the original language, the Greek, that phrase is taken from the military world, watch out, and it describes a sentry who is alert and on duty. <laughs> so it's not a casual glance out the window. It's not an occasional look. It's more of a, a studied, ongoing alertness. Watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. We're going to talk about how and why in a moment. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. 
Everyone has heard about your obedience. I am full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good, alert, watching, and innocent about what is evil, separated from what is going on through these false prophets. Now, let's pause a moment and kind of digest this. Then we're going to hear Jesus talk to us about the very same thing. Paul says, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. Two different things. Cause divisions. What is he thinking of? He's thinking of those who create distinctions and categories among believers in such a way that it causes believers not to see themselves as united, not to see themselves as one. In fact, you'll remember just two chapters back in chapter 14, he spent a a whole lot of time talking about this because some believers said we should eat meat, sacrifice to idols. Some said we shouldn't. And as a consequence, there was this conflict and there was this division. There will always be people who want to change the basis on which we are family. Instead of it simply being about our faith in Jesus Christ. Did he die on the cross for your sins? Is he the son of God? No, they want to add a lot of other conditions and distinctions which cause us to be disunited, which causes us not to embrace and accept one another. Paul says, watch out for people who cause divisions. They're going to lead you to focus on the minors that divide you instead of the majors that unite you. He says, be on alert against people who want to make distinctions among you. Hey, there's a reason that there's all kinds of denominations and traditions within our Christian faith. We are a big tent and there's room for groups to be different. And we embrace them and we love them and they are us and we are them. Paul says, watch out for people who are contrary to that, who teach you otherwise. No, he's not talking about real significant, solid things. This is like in Romans 14, the disputable matters. But he's talking about this attitude that divides people. Watch out for such people. And then he says, watch out for those who put obstacles in your way. He has specifically in mind those among the Jews in his day who always wanted to add Jewish stuff to the Christian gospel. Those folks are still around. They'll say you're more Christian if you're more Jewish. No, nonsense. Our Christian faith arises out of the context of the Jewish history and tradition of what God did through the people of Israel. But in Christ, it was all aimed all along. And when we have him, we have the whole ballgame. We learn details and nuances about him by learning that Jewish background. But to think that you somehow become more Christian by adding Jewish stuff to your faith, that's a mistake. Paul says, watch out. For those who will say you're better off if you go get circumcised as a Jew as well as be a Christian. You're better off, as he says in Galatians, if you observe all the Jewish holidays. You're better off if you observe the Jewish dietary laws. Paul says, stop that. Watch out for those folks. Be on your guard against them because it is faith in Jesus that makes you God's children, that makes you God's family. Watch out and, and do so in a vigorous and alert way. Again, it's a military term. You know, when I was stationed in Iceland, my job was as a sentry. I would guard a post. And the first night that I went out to be, uh, to take my duty on my post and stand this four-hour watch, one of the other guys pulled me aside. He said, hey, heads up. Uh, on the first night that you go out to the post, the squad leader, your squad leader will always try to sneak on your post. He wants to embarrass you. He wants to teach you a lesson. So he'll be out there trying to sneak on your post. It's dark all the time. When I got there in December, 24 hours of dark. So he said, watch out, be alert. And when I went to my post, I got to tell you, my eyes were wide open. I was going to catch that guy. He wasn't getting on my post. Jesus says, have that kind of an attitude. Have that kind of a spirit when you hear people teach about God. Be alert, careful, watchful. And Paul says, keep away from those who cause divisions or add requirements, put obstacles in your way. And then he says something penetrating and insightful. He says, such people are not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Wow. 
In other words, there's a whole category of people who just want to capture your attention so that they can feel important. There's a whole category of spiritual leaders, pastors, teachers, uh, prominent personalities, self-proclaimed prophets. There's a whole category of people who really just want to capture your attention so they can feel important. They're feeding their own appetites. Watch out for them. The Christian faith is not led by what we call populists, people who just measure which way the wind is blowing and then get on board with it. The Christian faith is led by a savior and disciples who sometimes swim upstream, who go against the wind, who are unpopular. Paul says, be aware of that. Understand that. These populists are to be wary of. And, and then the other thing they do is they attempt to gain control over you. Grasp this, friends. Any spiritual authority that seeks to control you is something to be wary of. They are serving themselves, not God. God calls us to choose. God wants us to experience the joy of what the Holy Spirit calls self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't force us to do things. He inspires, leads, teaches, fathers us into righteousness. False teachers will attempt to achieve that by control. Some time ago, I sat with a young lady who got involved in a very controlling spiritual authority system in which her small group leader was determining who she would have relationships with, who she would be friends with, who she would have business agreements with. And, and when she went against his will, he was calling her constantly, texting her, telling her that if she didn't submit to him, she wasn't submitting to God. She said, what should I do? I said, run. Run, sis. That is not real. That is not spiritual. God isn't seeking to control you. He's seeking to father you, to parent you, to teach you. And any man, any person, any human, any spiritual authority who is trying to gain control over you is to be watched out for. That's a huge and important reality. Sometimes we can be deceived into thinking otherwise. And that's what Paul means when he says, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. If you want to know how deep this goes, if you want to grab, this is a big deal for a mature believer. Remember when Jesus went into the wilderness and the devil met him there to tempt and test him. And the second of those temptations went like this. The devil came to Jesus and said, hey, I know you've come to save the world. Guess what? I'll give you control of the world. I will make you Caesar of Caesars. I'll give you control of all the governments in the world. You will be king of kings in an earthly sense. Man, imagine what you could do if you had all that control. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, no, no way. That's not how I get there. That's not how this happens. The kingdom of God isn't about control except in the sense of self-control the kingdom of God is about us freely choosing to submit to him to follow him to walk in his ways to be led by him false spiritual leaders will mitigate to the opposite I remember when our son came home from the King County Fair over here at the fairgrounds when he was a teenager years ago and he was so excited because he had gone to a booth at the fair that's your first alarm bell. He had gone to a booth at the fair and the guy gave him a card and said, man, you know what I can do for you? I can adjust your aura with these magnets that I have. There's different colored magnets. I can get your health all perfect. Come back tomorrow and bring me 50 bucks and I'll hook you up. 
He came home. He was like, Dad, Dad, I'm going to get 50 bucks out of the bank. I said, no, you're not. Son, time out here. This is nonsense. Really? Yeah, this is not real, son. Uh, if a guy had that kind of power, he wouldn't be hanging out in a booth at the King County Fair. <laughs> All right? So it's that kind of father spirit that, that our Lord is bringing to us today. He's saying, hey, no, let me, let me calm you down here because there's a lot of nonsense out there. And I want you to understand that false teachers are capable of smooth talk and flattery. And they'll lead you astray. You know, magicians, whether they're in Vegas or on the street or on some podcast, they can achieve amazing things simply by manipulating the expectations of their audience. That's what magic is. It's just manipulating the attention and expectations of the audience. It's that kind of thing Paul is saying here to watch out for. Now, because he loves us, Jesus was emphatic about this. He said, this isn't just a little thing. This is a big thing. Over in chapter 7 of Matthew's gospel, he gave kind of an extended talk about it. I want to take about uh, five, ten minutes and talk to you about what he said. L listen to what the Lord said when he addressed this subject of false prophets. First, he says, verse 13 of chapter 7, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, sometimes we hear that. Maybe you've read that before and thought, I don't understand what that means. What's he talking about? I wish he would speak more plainly. He's actually speaking very plainly. Here's what it boils down to. Jesus is saying, I'm the gate. I tell you the truth. His favorite saying, 86 times in the Gospels. I will tell you the truth about who God is. You'll find the truth in me. There's a lot of people talking about God. But he says, I'm the truth. I'm the narrow gate. Enter through me. Listen to me before and above everyone else. That's what Jesus is saying in this moment. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the context that is going to reveal as we move forward that that's his point. But let me first just ask you, how many voices do you listen to? And do you have voices in your life that have more of your time and attention than Jesus does? For many of us in this media age, we get more input from a lot of voices on the internet and the radio and the TV and wherever we hear more from them than we hear from Jesus. The Lord is talking about that tendency. He says, no, 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 put me at the head of that list. Listen to me first. Friends, 10 minutes a day of listening to Jesus will perfectly shape your understanding of who God is. And, and that's a big deal because no matter who we, you are, who, who we are, the most influential force in your life is whatever you believe to be true about God. And that is the case for you if you're a believer or not a believer. That's the case for everyone. Every human being has ideas about God. And nothing more deeply colors our lives than those ideas. They shape our behavior. They shape our emotional well-being. They shape our, our analysis of our circumstances. They shape every corner of our life. Jesus says, because of that, listen to me first. Let me shape those ideas in your heart and in your head. And, and then he goes on to say, look at verse 15. In that context, he says, watch out. There's that word again, that phrase. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They dress up. They pretend to be helpful, pretend to be on your side, pretend to be religious, pretend to be spiritual. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, they even use the name of Jesus a lot. But watch out for false prophets. Even though they come to you in sheep's clothing, inwardly they are ferocious 
wolves. Have you ever seen wolves take down prey and then devour it? That's the image the Lord uses. That's what he reaches for as he seeks to speak to us as a father. He says these false prophets, they pretend to be helpful and harmless. They're actually ferocious wolves. Again, let me just ask us this morning, are you watching out? Is your life marked by a kind of on-duty sentry alertness? Our father says that's what he hopes for us. That's what he wants for us. That's what he calls us to. Again, whatever you believe about God is the most powerful influence in your life. So where do you get your ideas? Jesus put this another way on another occasion. Over in Luke chapter 8, verse 18, he said this. Greg, I inserted that. It says therefore, but Greg, consider carefully how you listen. For whoever has will be given more. Some people will listen well and they will gain by it. They'll profit by it. But whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. If we only listen to Jesus while doing other things in a distracted, half-attention way, we'll think we know what he's saying and we won't even know that we don't know what he's saying. And so again, like a father, he says, hey, think about how you listen. 10 minutes a day, friends. You know, when I was a young believer, an older man in the congregation pulled me aside and, and he said something I, I've never forgotten and has blessed me profoundly since then. He said, Greg, as you're reading your Bible, as you're in God's word, he says, always, always, no matter where else you are, stay in the gospels. Over and over and over again, listen to Jesus. He said, you need to read your whole Bible, but no matter what else you're doing, always stay in the gospels. Well, and I took his advice. To this day, I still do that. 40 years ago. To this day, I still, wherever I'm reading, I'm also reading in the Gospels. I've read the Gospels so many times I can't tell you, but I'm so thankful because what has flowed out of that is an intimate awareness of who God is. Because everything Jesus said and did is like etched on my brain now, etched on my soul. And I just, yeah, that's who God is. Yeah. And God wants that for all of us. So Jesus says, listen to me and think about how you listen. Because what's at stake is serious. There are so many dangerous voices, ferocious wolves. Maybe you read also in the news this week about how Father's Day in one Florida home this weekend is full of tragedy and grief. 26-year-old father of three, Reggie Mabry, died last week when his three-year-old son was playing with a loaded handgun next to dad on the couch and accidentally shot him in the neck, killing him while they sat together with dad playing video games. What a horrific moment. And in the moments leading up to that, nobody thought there was any danger because they weren't paying attention. But in fact, there was great danger. And then there was catastrophe. And to make matters worse, mom has been charged with negligent manslaughter for failing to secure her weapon safely. And this Father's Day weekend is the story of a child who's going to lose both parents. This one goes to prison and one died. See, that's the seriousness of this. God says, hey, gang, listen, you're my sons and daughters. I want you to watch out. I want you to pay attention because some of these ideas, they get into your head, they get into your heart, and they will blow up and cause tragedy. Because they are naive, children play with guns. Because they are naive, adults play with drunkenness or casual sex or careless language or bad tempers or even the truth about who God is and isn't. And they play 
and it's dangerous. The devil's lie in the garden, the, the temptation that started this whole mess that Jesus saves us from was a simple lie about who God is. <laughs> he doesn't want you to do this because he thinks you're trying to get equal to him and he's actually jealous and he's got an ulterior motive and he, he's trying to deceive you. A simple lie about who God is and the consequences are devastating. So, so the apostle and our Lord say, watch out. Watch out. Jesus goes on in that same passage, Matthew 7. He says this, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. In other words, he doesn't just say watch out for them. He tells you how to recognize them. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? It's a rhetorical question. Obviously, no. Or figs from thistles? Same thing. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. What comes out of the tree will reveal what it is. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. It's a good tree. It can't. It has no capacity for that. But a bad tree can't bear uh, uh, good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. There's a judgment coming. But by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, what the Lord's saying in that moment is here's how you can recognize those dangerous spiritual leaders or authorities. He says, first of all, they'll be identified by their fruit, by what comes out of them. So let me just thumbnail this for us for a moment. He's talking about the knucklehead who tries to say that you are randomly descended from a monkey or seeded on the planet by aliens, okay? That's, there's a whole category there. That's not true. He's talking about the self-serving con man who goes on TV and tells you that if you send him your money, then God will make you rich. Yeah. He's talking about the sentimental pastor who wants you to like him so much that he won't tell you about sin, that he won't warn about sin. He's talking about the pop culture star who tells you you need to feel good above all else. And if you feel bad, something must be wrong. But any parent of a toddler knows that sometimes you have to feel bad in order to do good. False teacher won't tell you that. He's talking about the worldly wannabe politician who tells you that grabbing earthly power is the key to building God's kingdom. When Jesus himself explicitly rejected that idea. He's talking about that little voice in your own head and heart that sometimes tells you to give up on you, to give up on grace, like Judas did, instead of going back to the Savior again in humility and embarrassment and shame and faith and hope like Peter did. Yeah, these voices are out there. I could go on and on. The Lord says that false prophets look like sheep and that they present themselves as helpful and harmless and then they tell you what you think you want to hear. See, th that's the idea. Paul, Paul wrote about this over in 2 Timothy when he said the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, that is the truth about God. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Friends, when we, when we say to ourselves that we only want to hear from spiritual leaders who tell us what we want to hear, we're placing ourselves in danger. You know, about 10 years ago, a man in our church came up and said something to me that I have treasured in my heart ever since that moment. I cling to what he said to me. He said, Pastor Greg, I keep coming here because I know you're going to challenge me. I know you're going to challenge me. I said, oh, thank you for telling me that. That's my prayer. That's my ambition. But sometimes we just want to gather around people who affirm us as we are. No good parent does that. You don't do that with your kids. You call them up to become more, to grow up, to become mature and good and 
God does the same thing. So don't gather around yourself teachers that just tell you what you want to hear. Jesus wants us to know that that's incredibly dangerous. They are ferocious wolves. The March 12, 2010 edition of the New York Post carried the story of Candace Burner, a school teacher who loved to run. She was just a mile outside of her hometown in Alaska on a beautiful early morning run when she was attacked by a pack of wolves and mauled to death. It was a gorgeous morning. The sun was up, the sky was blue, everything seemed so picturesque. And she had often talked about how she loved running in the wilderness, even though local police and authorities had repeatedly warned people that this is Alaska and outside of this community, when you get outside of town, it's the wilderness. And where is known wolf activity in our area, don't be out there alone, especially not in the early morning. Many times her and her friends had talked about this and she had laughed it off. But it's so beautiful, she said. And it was. Until that morning and that moment. You know, the warnings are dull and boring. It feels better to pretend the wilderness is Disneyland. But it isn't. And, and our father is saying that to you and I this morning. He's saying that with the heart of a father. And the second idea in that passage is that you can always recognize a false teacher by the way they talk, by what they say. Very simply, the scripture lays out the unmistakable evidence that you're dealing with a false teacher. First of all, do they use obscenity and coarse jokes and hate speech? If they do, they are not people of God. The Bible is unequivocal about this. It says those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. How much more straightforward can you be? Some years ago, a man came to my office for counseling and as we sat in the office, he said to me these words. He said, Pastor, I'm just a foul-mouthed Christian. I said, my brother, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Any man who considers himself religious but doesn't keep a tight rein on deceives himself. And to his credit, my brother said, I never heard that. Oh my goodness, this is real and serious, isn't it? I said, yes. He said, yes. Well, I, okay, talk to me about how I can overcome that. You know you're dealing with a false teacher when they speak in those days. You know you're dealing with a false prophet. James puts it this way. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's talking about the tongue. Jesus put it this way. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So there's the first dead giveaway. The second one is, are they glib about spiritual warfare? Are they glib? Do they treat it like a game, like a football rally, like a slogan? In Jude, verses 6 through 10, Jude talks about the archangel Michael who was confronting the devil, and he didn't dare speak against him. Think about that, the greatest of all the angels. Instead, he said to the devil, the Lord rebuke you. But false teachers will tell you, ah, it's a game, man. Shot him down, stomp on his head. Yeah, Baba, it's just all fun. No, watch out for that guy. That's the mark of someone who's off base. Do they tell you that godliness leads to wealth? First Timothy chapter 6, verse 5 pointedly warns us that it's only men of corrupt mind who say that godliness is a means to financial gain. You want to identify a false preacher? Are they telling you that Jesus is the way to get rich? Watch out. Watch out. That's a ferocious wolf, the Bible says. Jude again warns us in verse 4. Do they tell you that sin doesn't matter because of grace? Jude says the false teachers will say that 
God's grace is a license for immorality. In other words, because Jesus died on the cross, do whatever you want. It all doesn't matter. It's all about grace. Yeah, well, grace is intended to produce repentance. Faith leads to works. That's a lie. If you want to remember, you know, a couple of passages from Jude, passage from James here, thought I'd give you this little extra this morning. If you want to remember these clear signs, just remember the Beatles. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. There you go. Now, you will not remember anything else from the message but that, but it'll get you back into the Jude passage. You with me? That's the Father's heart. In fact, Jesus says we're almost done this morning. He says that false prophets will use his name, advocate his causes, but their hearts are not in it, and he knows the difference. Here's how the Lord ended that passage in Matthew 7. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, only he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Hey, we went around hollering about you all the time. Didn't in your name, didn't we drive out demons, perform miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they did a lot of spiritual stuff. They did a lot of Christian stuff. They did a lot of religious stuff. But it wasn't Jesus' stuff. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, you know, some who come to you and preach Jesus, it's a different Jesus. But it's easy to tell the difference when you listen to the real one. I am the gate. I'm the narrow gate. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let me just give you an illustration, and then we'll, we'll close this morning. Do you know who in history in the history of the world, led the most far-reaching, practically effective campaign against pornography in all of human history. Do you know who led that? Do you know who created a nation where pornography was least tolerated than in any other place in the world? Do you know who did that? A fellow by the name of Adolf Hitler in 1938 in Nazi Germany. And the church said, well, he must be a good guy. Because he's leading an anti-pornography campaign. That's like saying, well, King Herod must be a good guy. He built the temple. <laughs> no, 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 he's playing you. That's what the devil does. Tells you what you want to hear, gives you what you think you want. Calls you to support him, to follow him. Friends, this is a big one. You know, one of the most challenging moments in Scripture is as Jesus goes to the cross, he's arrested, he's turned over to the Romans. And the people of Israel, led by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, are asked by Pilate, hey, I pardon somebody. Shall I pardon this Jesus? Calls himself your king. You know what they said? Do you know what they shouted? No, crucify him and give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. He's a fighter. He rebels against the government. He leads rebellions. We want him back. Crucify Jesus. What an awful moment. Those people thought of themselves as the people of God. Yet in that moment, they were rejecting him without even knowing it. Why? Because false prophets had led them down the garden path. God wants to keep us from that danger. So in our last five minutes together, let me share with you a few practical ways. Five minutes will be done. How you can do this. The first way is this, to recognize false prophets. Don't choose leaders because they're entertaining. <laughs> Come on. We live in the age of entertainment. And every time somebody gets up in front of us, we want them to entertain us. God says, you got to get beyond that. You got to get, you got to look for something more, for something else. You got to look for something deeper and more important. The apostle Paul could be terribly boring. The Bible tells us in, in Acts chapter 20 that he once bored a congregation so bad with his long-winded preaching that a guy fell out of a window and died in the middle of the service. 
He did. He died. He got so bored and fell asleep. Maybe you feel like that sometimes. Paul says this. He says, I may not be a trained speaker, but I have knowledge. I know what I'm talking about. So listen to me. Listen to me. You know, think about this. If you were having brain surgery, do you want some hipster, wisecracking, got a good sense of humor, looks good while he's doing it, takes a selfie? Or do you want that old crusty guy who's retiring in two weeks, has done this a million times, maybe never says a kind word to you, but fixes your brain? (laughs) Yeah, I want the old guy too. So when you look for spiritual leaders, look for the ones who know what they're talking about. And then the second thing, don't choose leaders who only affirm you. Choose a leader who'll challenge you, who'll say, you know what, you're wrong about that. You need to rethink that. Here's what Jesus said about that. Have you taken this into consideration? Again, hear the apostle. He says, the time will come when men won't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And so they'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. There's a lot of that going on in the world. Always has been but maybe multiplied now because of social media and all the stuff that's out there. Don't choose leaders who only affirm you. Choose the ones who challenge you. Number three, don't choose leaders just because they're ambitious. Sometimes we say, I want somebody who will get something done, and that's all that matters. Give me somebody who will get something done. Paul says, whoa, time out. You need to choose a leader who knows what he's talking about. Here's how he puts it in Philippians chapter one. He says, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing I'm here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. I just want to build a crowd. I just want to get popular. I want to make a noise. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Paul says, watch out. That kind of a leader is a ferocious wolf who will destroy you from the inside out. Choose your teachers because they know the Bible and can help you learn it. That's what you want. And then the last thing, listen to Jesus daily. Choose the discipline of listening to him more than anyone else. 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day of listening to Jesus will perfectly shape the image of God in your heart, will perfectly shape your understanding. That'll seep into your problem solving, your emotional well-being, your hope, your freedom, your peace. It'll seep right in there. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine, underline and puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But if you don't, you're building on a foundation that will fall apart. Let me finish with a story. Christian author and speaker Henry Blackaby in his book, Hearing God's Voice, tells the heartbreaking story of the first funeral he conducted as a pastor, which was for the five-year-old daughter of personal friends. He writes, she was a beautiful little girl whose young parents badly spoiled her in a specific way. See, she was one of those strong-willed kids, always wanting to disobey. Won't ask for a show of hands who's got one of those, but she was one of those. And mom and dad would respond to her confrontational disobedience by laughing and talking about how cute it was. And as he got to know them, he realized, man, this isn't good. And he watched this developing. She thought it was a good thing when she disobeyed, when she completely contradicted her parents because they laughed. She wanted to make them laugh. He said, then one summer afternoon, 
She ran out the front door when the gate of the front yard was open. Mom and dad were sitting on the porch. It was a beautiful evening. The kind of evening where nothing bad can happen. Or so say those who aren't watching out. And as she headed across the yard for the front gate, mom saw a car coming down the road going way too fast. And she shouted at her daughter to stop. And her daughter looked back, got that cute look in her eyes, that disobedient look, that I'm going to make you laugh look. She completely disobeyed, kept running into the street. The car came by, hit her and killed her. What a horrific story. Yet Henry writes, she simply never learned to listen. She never learned to listen. On Father's Day this morning, God says to you and me, hey, Greg, I want you to learn to listen. I want you to learn to listen because there's ferocious wolves. No matter what it looks like, they're real, they're out there, and they're hunting, and I want to keep you safe from that. It's not hard. I don't want you to live in fear. All you have to do is have your head up and pay attention. Listen to me. I'm the gate. Listen to my son first, and then watch out, and you'll be safe. I'll keep you. You don't have to be afraid. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your father heart on Father's Day. Lord, we pray that as we go from here today, it would be with an understanding that you love us, and that's why you teach us. The way you call us to isn't burdensome, Lord. It's the way of life. So help us to hear your invitation to be watchers, that we might enjoy your fathering. We pray for that. We ask that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, friends? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Hope, you're, hope you got good Father's Day plans. Once again, fellas, please remember, as you head out today, we've got processed meat for you. Don't miss out on that, all right? From the Blue Max, this is the good stuff. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Have a great afternoon.